Hey everybody, Andrea here. Welcome to day 18 of our Fast and Wrong Thinking. Today, we're fasting from the thought that says, I can't stop. Maybe it's an addiction, a bad habit, maybe it's some problem you keep running into, a mountain in your life that doesn't seem to move. Well, today's episode is about tapping into the power to stop struggling. You'll hear a quick mashup of messages from Gregory Dickow, including one that he preached back in 2018 called Your Struggle is Over. In this message, he breaks down what it means to be more than a conqueror and how to walk in victory and faith every moment of every day. I hope this encourages you today. Enjoy. You know, Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, God spoke to them and he said, hey, hey, Adam, hey, Eve, you see this garden that I put you in? It's beautiful, right? Oh, yeah, it's beautiful, Lord. It's beautiful. It's great. Okay, see all these trees in the garden? Oh, yeah, Lord, I see all the trees. The Lord said, eat from all of them freely. The first commandment that God gave to Adam and Eve was not don't. The first commandment was do. Eat freely. And it wasn't do this holy thing. It was eat. Enjoy. It's free. Then he said after that, you see that one in the middle, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that one because the day you eat from it, you'll die. What God told them was he was giving them a pattern for living. The pattern for living is don't focus on what you can't eat. Focus on what you can eat and eat freely so that when you do walk by the garden, the the tree in the middle of the garden, you're so full from eating freely of all the other trees that you don't you don't even have an appetite. We think by avoiding sin, we are so holy and it's not about our holiness. God's way is to eat freely as sons and daughters in his house. And then when life brings other trees, bad trees that are not good for you, you don't have the appetite for it. It's nothing about religion. It's nothing about how good and holy you are. It's about you're full. We need behavior modification, not behavior modification, because behavior modification Modifying what we believe will change our behavior. But changing our behavior will not change what we believe because we can change our behavior temporarily. We will always revert back to a lifestyle based on what we truly believe, even if we change our behavior for a little while. That's why so many people go on diets and they can lose some weight for a while, but they haven't changed what they believe about themselves and they haven't changed what they believe about health. It's not about not eating. Good health is not by abstaining from everything, every good food. Good health is a well-rounded, starts with your soul and starts with your mind and starts with the way you think and it starts with what you believe and it starts with believing that God is good and it starts with believing that God created good things for us to enjoy and it starts with believing that God created you as your body as a temple of the Holy Spirit and God gave you a supernatural body to live in supernatural health and supernatural healing and supernatural divine wellness and when you start believing that, you'll start putting better stuff in your body and start taking care of yourself better, not because I'm just going to be more disciplined but because if you value yourself more, you will treat yourself differently. Your soul is being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's why you need to be patient with yourself. Be gracious with yourself and be gracious with other people. It's amazing to me how many people have said about preachers and how many preachers have said about people. Oh, that person's not saved. Look at how they act. How they act has nothing to do with their salvation. Nothing. Just like a person could act like an angel and go to hell because their salvation has nothing to do with their behavior. Zero. 
Say, what if it's my fault that I'm suffering these things? Jesus took it on the cross. He didn't just take it on the he didn't take it on the cross because it was his fault. He took it on the cross because it was your fault. And it was the devil's fault and it was somebody else's fault. Well, what if I keep falling? What if I keep failing? What if I keep feeling rejected? You got to keep fellowshipping with his suffering. You got to keep you got to keep going back to that cross and saying, wait a minute, I don't have to take this anymore. Jesus took it for me. I don't have to stay sick anymore. Jesus took it for me. You keep fellowshipping with that suffering. You keep fellowshipping with that suffering. You keep exchanging for his suffering. You don't join in the suffering. You exchange through the suffering. We feel weak and we feel like we haven't done enough. That's okay, because the Bible says when we're weak, then his strength shows up in our weakness. That's when he's made strong. He doesn't need you to be strong in order to have his strength. He wants you to be strong in his strength, not strong to get his strength. Yeah. In fact, there's one qualification for receiving God's strength, weakness, the acknowledgement of your weakness, which is called humility. And God gives grace to the humble. We want people to break us out of our shell, our struggle. But the strength comes from the struggle. Strength comes from like going like this and changing the way you think and and being inside of that cocoon and going, you know what? I used to think like I'm a failure. Now I realize I'm the head and not the tail. I used to think like I'm always overwhelmed. But now I realize that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I used to think that I'm depressed all the time. But now I realize the joy of the Lord is in me and the joy of the Lord is my strength. I used to think like I I don't know if I'm ever going to make it. But now I realize that God has got me in his hands and in the palm of his hands and in his gentle, warm, kind gracious, strong hands. He is molding me and forming me into the person he created me to be. I'm not giving up because he's not giving up on me. Comfort. This word comfort in Isaiah 40, it means to breathe a sigh of relief, to be at ease. Jesus takes the dis out of dis-ease and all this left is ease. In Matthew 11, verse 28, he says, um, He says, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is what is easy. And my burden is light. Verse twenty nine goes on to say, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me, all that are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Wow, that sounds so different than how most of us grew up. Like I grew up Catholic, even though I wasn't really a practicing one. But I had that mentality. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. This is the Christian life. I know this is, again, contrary to what religion taught us. The Christian life is not a struggle. Life is a struggle, period. You got struggles in life because because you're breathing. There's struggles. You got financial struggles. Sometimes you've got relationship struggles, family struggles, sometimes physical health struggles. Sometimes life has struggle that didn't come from God. That didn't come from Jesus. Jesus came to bring peace in the midst of your storm, to bring love in the midst of your fear, to bring healing in the midst of your sickness or disease. Jesus came to 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 heal us. And by his wounds, we are healed. He wasn't wounded for nothing. He was wounded for our transgressions. He didn't take those 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 punishing, brutal um, 
floggings on his back for nothing. He took those for your healing. So the higher value that we place on what Jesus did, the greater quality of the God kind of life we'll begin to experience. The higher we place the value on what Jesus did. It's not just, well, he, you know, he, he just barely did enough. He did more than enough. Amen. Your struggle's over. Your struggle's over. Your struggle is over. Say, my struggle is over. You say, well, if my struggle is over, why am I still struggling? I'll, I'll tell you why. Because the devil realizes that he can't defeat us by tempting us to hate God. He can't defeat us by tempting us to hate Jesus. The devil tempts us by trying to get us to defeat sin, to beat our habits and our problems in our own power. That's where the devil defeats people, is by getting us to try to struggle enough to get God to answer or to struggle enough to overcome rather than discovering we are more than conquerors. Romans 8, 37, that says that we are now more than conquerors through him that loved us, through him that loved us. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. And I've told you this a thousand times, but I'm going to say it again because sometimes it takes a thousand and one. But why is why does it say we're more than conquerors? Why does I mean, I would have been happy if it would have said yet in all these things, we are conquerors. I mean, wouldn't you have taken that? That would have been I would have taken yet in all these things, we will one day be conquerors. I would have, if that's what it would have said, I would have accepted it. That would have been a great gospel. That would have been really great. In all these things, we'll one day be conquerors. But he goes beyond that. And it would have been great if, we, if it would have been that yet in all these things, we are conquerors through him that loved us. That would have been a great gospel. But to say we're more than conquerors, that's the greatest gospel. That's the greatest news. Why? Because a conqueror has to do the conquering. But someone who's more than a conqueror doesn't have to do any of the conquering. The person who's more than a conqueror just gets to enjoy the benefit of the one who did the conquering. And Jesus did all the conquering. And all that's left for us is all that's left for us to do is to enjoy the spoils of the battle. What did the what did God tell? the children of Israel to do when they were surrounded by the, the Jebusites and the Moabites and the termites and all of them were coming against the Israelites. And God said, send out the praisers. Send out the worship. Go pray. The battle's not yours. The battle's not yours. The victory is yours. The battle is the Lord's. And this is why he's telling us we're more than conquerors because we're, we're, we don't have to do the conquering. The conquering has been done. And you may say, well, okay, well, when, when's it going to show up in my bank account? When's it going to show up in my body? When's it going to show up in my family? It'll show up as soon as you 
rid yourself of the mindset that you have to somehow still earn it and that you have to somehow still deserve it. And then you'll be able to receive freely. There are millions of Christians disillusioned with Christianity because of the very thing that we're talking about, because they don't understand that the struggle is over. First Corinthians, chapter two, verse five, and then we'll close. He says that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men. If you go back to verse four real quick, he says, my words and my preachings were not in persuasive words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not rest. Your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, our faith is not in our our faith must no longer be in our wisdom and our intelligence and our figuring it out and our getting, you know, follow, you know, getting God to do it and figuring out how to get God to do what, what, what he promised he would do. But our faith, if you look at the King James Bible, I think it says that your faith should rest, that your faith rests, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, or maybe it's the New American Standard. Let's find that one where it actually uses the word rest. I love that. Maybe it's the New American Standard. He says that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. That word rest is the most accurate word for this for this verse, that your faith doesn't rest on the wisdom of men, but rests on the power of God. God's my faith works when it's at rest, when it's resting on the power of God, not on the wisdom of man. And I'll close with Philemon, verse six. He says that the Philemon, verse six, says that the that your faith would become effective. Put the use the King James Bible for this one as well. It really is a powerful translation of Philemon, verse six, um, that the communication of your faith becomes effectual, your faith becomes effectual or effective. How? By acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Your faith is not effective when you're acknowledging what's not in you. Your faith becomes effective when you acknowledge what is in you in Christ Jesus. You're acknowledging you're 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 accepting it. So Christianity is not a life of attainment, attaining God's promises, but it's a life of acknowledgement and recognizing what God has promised and freely receiving. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Remember, if you haven't signed up yet for the Fast and Wrong Thinking, you can visit fastandwrongthinking.com and you'll start getting daily emails for the next 40 days. You can also search Fast and Wrong Thinking on the YouVersion Bible app and follow along there as well. Also, let Gregory Dickow know how you're enjoying this fast. You can message him on Facebook or Twitter at Gregory Dickow. Thanks for listening and have a great day.